St. Leo 360, a 360 degree overview of the St. Leo University community. Welcome to another episode of the St. Leo 360 podcast. This is your host, Greg Lindbergh. On this episode of the podcast, we are speaking about the undergraduate education programs here at St. Leo University. And to help us do so, we have a wonderful guest joining us here on the podcast. Uh, Her name is Dr. Holly Atkins, and she is the chair of undergraduate education here at St. Leo University. Dr. Atkins, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Greg. It's so glad to be here. Absolutely. Really looking forward to this conversation here. Uh, So first off, uh, Dr. Atkins, just uh, give a little brief bio overview of yourself, your background, and uh, then perhaps we can get into how you actually came to St. Leo University. Okay, love to. Um, I've been uh, here at St. Leo. This is going to be my 10th year. Um, My background uh, is as a 6th, 7th, and 8th grade middle school language arts teacher in Pinellas County, where I was uh, born and raised and had a wonderful career teaching. Um, Teaching's uh, been at the heart of, of who I am professionally. And um, so that really led me to St. Leo as well to pursue uh, that passion for student teaching and learning. Wow. Hey, I'm also a Pinellas native. I know, I know there are not too many of us out there, so that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. It's a long com- commute, Greg, but I, I, I tell people um, I love where I live. I love where I work. It's there's an hour between the two, but that, you know, that's okay. So as far as the undergraduate uh, undergraduate education program at St. Leo, talk to me about the history of this program, how long it's been around, and just kind of a general overview of it. Okay. Uh, well, we've been around at St. Leo since 1967. So we've got a, a long, firm history here at St. Leo. And again, I think that that makes sense because... We are a teaching institution. While our, our faculty all engage in rigorous research, uh, teaching is primary. That's at the heart of, of what we do as an institution. So the fact that our um, undergraduate education program designed to prepare future classroom teachers, I think it's it makes sense that we've been around um, at the university for, for as long as we have. We have a number of programs. Our largest program is the elementary education program. This prepares teachers, future teachers, um, to teach kindergarten through sixth grade. We also have a middle secondary program, and this is for individuals that want to teach sixth graders all the way up into seniors in high school. Uh, For those middle secondary programs, we have specializations in English and in social studies. And and we also are excited to partner with the College of Arts and Sciences to offer uh, STEM-focused degrees. So um, I'm one of the principal, co-principal investigators um, for a grant, the Robert Noyce 
Foundation grant, um, which specifically prepares students in the STEM field to teach at the middle and high school level. So those those degrees um, involve majoring in either mathematics or biology, and then obtaining a minor in education. We also uh, will be graduating our first students in our fully online elementary education program soon, and we've added a early childhood program. So really birth to age 12, uh, to grade 12, we've got education covered. Wow, yeah, that's certainly a nice uh, array of options that we offer and tracks and everything and, you know, pretty much something for everyone, I guess you could say. Well, I think that's that's in line with the, the mission um, and, and focus of the university and our, our, our programs are here at the main campus and that they are also at a number of our education centers. Um, and again, as I said, we've also just completed the development of a fully online elementary education program. So it's all about uh, a high quality experience, uh, meeting the needs of our students and being accessible to all. Absolutely, well said. In terms of the admission requirements uh, for this program and the various tracks that we offer, talk to me about just the, the general requirements to be admitted. Part of being a state certified program, this is true for all programs throughout Florida, to be formally admitted to the program, students have to have passed uh, one of the three certification tests. The first one, which is the general knowledge test. Um, and that, that assesses basically skills students mastered in high school in the areas of math, reading, writing and um, English language skills, which would be grammar. Uh, we're a little bit unique from other programs, though, in that we allow students to actually begin their first semester junior work in the education program without being formally admitted. Almost every other state approved program um, will not let students actually begin those education classes until they've passed that test. We want to bring students into the experience and really give them support in taking and passing that test um, while they're while they're still working their way towards graduation. I see. Very interesting. As far as the the students that we have had go through the program and the various tracks, I'm curious: is it primarily the traditional students, you know, right out of high school, or? Do we get a nice, uh, you know, number of, of adult learners as well? We have we we have a wonderful diverse array, and and I would use that diversity um, term yeah, to encompass age, uh, race, ethnicity. So here in our daytime campus program, typically that's more of the traditional student. Um, we also on the campus have an evening program and that that's really designed for more of the non-traditional student. These are students that perhaps have jobs during the daytime. Um, they may be married, have children. So the evening program works um, better for them. At our centers 
and we have education programs at the Ocala, Lake City, Jacksonville, East Pasco, and now the Tampa Center. Uh, those are those are evening because again, those students there are are more non-traditional. Adding the online program again, it, it adds that accessibility. Uh, now, now individuals that have families, they don't have to make that drive to one of the campuses. Um, they prefer the online environment. Our program online is a little bit different because every semester students have synchronous and asynchronous classes. And, and just real briefly, that would be synchronous or kind of like live online. So they actually have a class meeting, for example, it could be every Tuesday night um, at 630. And the reason we have those courses in that format is um, it's really hard to learn how to teach first graders mathematics um, without watching a faculty member demonstrate using manipulatives, etc. So we're always balancing that idea of making our program accessible with making sure that it's rigorous and that ultimately we're preparing the best teachers for the K-12 classroom. We also um, have in the past few years begun a very popular <clears throat> successful program. It's our Para-to-Pro para programs. And those are partnership programs with districts. We're, we're partnering with over 19 school districts right now. This is, wow. yeah, and it's growing and the numbers are, are wonderful. Um, this pairs the, the uh, instructional assistants in these school districts. Um, and most of them will have some college, some of them have AA degrees, but they don't have a four year undergraduate bachelor's degree in education, allowing them to be classroom teachers. Um, and so that's what we do. We take them for where they are. We uh, provide them with the coursework. And what's really powerful is those field experiences that I'll talk about soon as being one of the highlights and strengths of our programs. Those paraprofessionals can complete those field experiences where they're working. Um, so it, again, it's always about how can we break down those barriers and having to leave a job to go to another school? That's that's obviously a barrier. So um, so it's a life changing experience. Many of these paraprofessionals, um, they they want to be in charge of their own classroom. And that goal just hasn't been realistic um, in a financial sense. It's the possibility it changes a family's dynamic. Uh, in terms of the program and just, uh, you know, the length of the program, the, the credit requirements, let's dive a little uh, deeper into to those. It is uh, actually the, the education classes students can take as uh, we have we have a, a set of electives that students can take in their freshman and sophomore year. We have classes like human growth and development, teaching diverse populations, an educational technology course. We want students to be able to feel right from the start that they're part of this education program. And those, again, I'm referring to the um, students that come to us as freshmen. 
the education courses themselves begin that first semester of the junior year. We refer to them as blocks because the courses are all taken together. They are interconnected and they're all connected every semester with a field experience. So our students are generally taking um, about 15 credits a semester. Some decide because of uh, various reasons they want to kind of slow things down. They'll take 12 credits and they'll pick up some of those um, other courses. We call them out of block courses. They'll pick those up in the summer. Uh, so there's there's flexibility to try to meet the needs, help meet the needs of, of all of our students. Every semester that they're in the program, um, we require at least 90 hours out in a school because you have to be applying what you're learning in the classroom, the university classroom, out in the K-12 classroom. That's essential. And that is far beyond the requirement that state statute um, requires for all state certified programs. Uh, the state requires a final internship where students are out teaching full time. Our students do that, but again, in each of the three semesters before that, they're out at a school actively teaching um, and not just observing. So when students are graduating, uh, principals report St. Leo graduates are more like a teacher finishing their first year of teaching rather than someone just graduating from a program. Wow, that's wonderful. So they really do get that exposure early on in the program and literally walk away with a nice amount of experience in addition to the degree. Absolutely. Nice. I am curious. Uh, we should definitely touch on the the immersion technology. I know I've uh, you know researched that, and I'm really fascinated by this uh, the simulations that we're able to do uh, for some of the courses. If you could just speak about that a little bit. Of course, we we've actually been using that. I think Greg, we're we're in our seventh year. Um, we have a site license now at St. Leo, um, just because. We've used it so much and it's been been used successfully in other programs. Um, again, you have to learn to teach by teaching. So the the avatars will not never replace a student going out and working in a classroom with real students. But here's here's where it fits a niche. So we'll have a student um, either either online through Zoom or standing there physically in a classroom engaging with these uh, avatars in real time, right? So it, it's not a video game, it's real time. Yeah. Um, and the avatars can hear and see you, etc. And so a student will stand up, they'll teach a lesson. Let's say the lesson's not going well. Our student can say, pause classroom, turn to their classmates, their faculty instructor and say, help, what could I do better? They get suggestions, they say, resume classroom, and then they can apply them right there. Now, I was a middle grades teacher, as I told you, for many years, Greg, and I would love to have been able to say, pause classroom with those 13 year olds. <laughs> oh, yeah, no <laughs> question. Yeah, so that's not possible. Um, so this is what we can do, 
right? That's our approach with technology throughout the program. It's not technology for technology's sake. It's about a teacher's expanding toolbox and this immersion mixed reality uh, tool is, is one of those many tools, right? So we look at that area of what we need to fill, a niche we need to fill, and this is the tool that we can use it in. Right, very interesting. And I understand that that specific technology has also been very beneficial uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, just when things have changed so much, and I'm sure access to the classroom in some cases has been a bit of a challenge. Well, it has, in incredibly so. Um, when we first became kind of, we were all, everybody was thrown off, right, in March. How are we, how are we going to really prepare these students? And now everybody's going virtual, et cetera. Um, we were ready to meet those challenges. I'm not going to say it hasn't continued to be challenges, but because we had tools like Mersion, because we infuse the use of technology with our students throughout the, the courses, um, the transition uh, to these virtual environments was a little bit easier for our students. So right in March, when our students still needed to complete their, their experiences out in the field, but the schools were all shut down, Again, you're right on target. That's where immersion really came in. They could still practice honing their teaching skills using the avatars. Um, and I've observed a number of our students that are working in uh, Florida Virtual School, Pasco eSchools. We've got students in placements in, in brick and mortar and in those online environments. Uh, and so Again, because we've got these tools integrated in our program, preparing them for what goodness knows we never thought we would have to prepare them for um, was really going on all the time. So we're grateful for that. And I'll, and I'll add that uh, every, every month, the Florida Association of Colleges of Teacher Ed um, has monthly listening sessions and sharing sessions. And so I worked with our, our folks that um, focus on the simulated experience at St. Leo. Uh, we did a presentation to other faculty from colleges all over the state of Florida about how we've been using immersion. So it feels good to be leading ed, edge, and it also feels good to be able to support colleagues in our, our shared goal of providing the state with quality teachers. No question. Yep, great point. Let's uh, talk a little bit more about the faculty in the program uh, in terms of their backgrounds. I know you mentioned, you know, your, your background, many years teaching at the middle school level. And uh, talk to me about some of the other faculty and their backgrounds as well. Okay, all of our teachers, our full-time faculty, our adjuncts, they've all been classroom teachers. That's a requirement. And not only have they been classroom teachers, but their evaluations um, have always shown that they've been exemplary teachers. 
They all have uh, state certifications, so they have teaching cert certificates. And then, of course, they also have the academic background. So it's it's always about that theoretical academic background and the proven um, ability to put those theories into practice. So they all full time faculty have uh, the majority have uh, doctoral degrees and um, others have master's degrees. Everybody is demonstrated as as that, that um, high quality experienced educator. And again, that's true for our full time faculty as well as all of the adjunct instructors. We're, we're grateful for our partnerships with local school districts. Uh, and so many of our adjunct instructors come from uh, the K-12, the current K-12 environment. So uh, we have administrators. I have a principal of a middle school over in Hernando. He teaches one of our seminar classes. He also teaches one of our mathematics methods course. Uh, he sent me a text over the weekend that a, a student had sent him um, just really expressing gratitude for how he shares not only the content knowledge, but really about how to best take and apply that content knowledge to meet the needs of students. Um, so again, having current practitioners in the field, um, that's critical in helping to grow uh, exemplary teachers. Absolutely well said. I know that uh, St. Leo, we, we certainly pride ourselves on the, the low student to instructor ratio and just the availability and access to instructors. And if you could just speak a little more about how that can apply to this program and then what students can expect in terms of, you know, access to their instructors. Well, again, just, you know, that that text, I think, says a great deal, right? So um, sure. So the, 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 the accessibility is, is key. Um, we take that word advising uh, to be much more than just registering a student for class. Those are, those are deep ongoing conversations that we each have with our advisors, advisees, um, but it extends to the students that we have in our, in our classes. So um, accessibility is is critical. I know that um, I'm teaching an education online class. All of my students in the class are paraprofessionals. There's teaching assistants. I I understand that being accessible to them is really going to be um, evenings and weekends. And so that's where I shift my focus for them because I know that's when they're going to need me to be to be around the most. So I think that's that's a that's critical for us is really understanding that maybe the needs of some of our traditional age students versus students that are with families and um, working adults, they're different. So we need to know our students and know how we can be there to really support them throughout the program time. Right, I see. I think, Greg, our students know the difference too. Um, I get this comment quite a lot from students that transfer from other programs. 
uh, they're very, very surprised at the role that we play. They're they're more used to um, faculty who at a research one institution, um, they of course they're teaching, but the research part is one of their primary focus. And again, as I said before, while we continue to engage in uh, scholarship, for us, the primary focus is about teaching. The students come first. And I, I've had many conversations with students really um, surprised at that level of one-on-one -on -one commitment between themselves um, and the faculty. Absolutely, that's wonderful. I know we've already talked a little bit about the fieldwork requirements and whatnot uh, in terms of the program. But if you could just touch a little further on specific connections that we have to local school districts and and just uh, you know how beneficial those connections really are for us. Absolutely. Um, I just had a, a meeting this morning with a student that I'm supervising and her what we call a cooperating teacher. They're a mentor teacher. So every one of the, those semesters, it's it's way more than saying to a student, all right, you need to keep a log of those 90 hours. Um, they are assigned by the university, um, that mentor teacher. The mentor teacher has to have had specific training in working with um, undergraduate students, teachers. They have to have demonstrated exemplary accomplished teaching by their districts. And then the students are also assigned a university supervisor. And the university supervisor it can be a full-time faculty member. It is often a retired principal, uh, but the university supervisor then comes out and conducts observations uh, in each one of those semesters. So they get ongoing um, feedback Here's what I see as your strengths. Here are areas I'd like to see you work on. And that happens in each of those semesters. So again, our students are arriving at that full-time final internship. They've, they've already completed at least 270 hours of active teaching, not watching, actively teaching because you you can't learn to teach by sitting behind the desk. You got to get up and go in front of the desk and talk to and teach the students. So they're ready for that final internship. Uh, these are comments that we consistently hear from our districts. And I'll tell you, Greg, in a time of pan the pandemic, K-12 teachers right now are under an extraordinary amount of stress. The workload that's always been significant is just been exponentially increased. Uh, so having a final internship, we understand this. This is this is a gift that these cooperating teachers are giving back to the profession. Uh, and so I'm I'm thrilled to say that we have all of our students placed. We we have 275 students um, either at the main campus or one of our centers that are out there in K-12 schools, brick and mortar, uh, Florida virtual school, Pasco e-schools, but they're out there doing their field placements, each one. Um, and so without the partnerships, that wouldn't be possible. 
we, we hear from districts uh, or from other colleges of education that they've had districts tell them, you know, we're sorry, we just can't accommodate your students. Uh, we're really grateful. We haven't been told that from our districts. Mm. Um, and again, I, I believe they, they know that our students are going to be assets to this cooperating teacher right now and assets most importantly to the students that are currently in that class um, rather than one more thing to have to do. So we're we're grateful for all of that, uh, the reputation. And, and frankly, Greg, they want to have our students in those field experiences because they want to hire them. And we we love seeing that most of our students, that's where they get uh, their first year uh, job. They've been there. They've done their final internship. The principal says, hey, I've got a, a position opening up next semester. And that again, that's where they get hired. So the districts and the schools have a have a vested interest too to bring our students in, uh, get them part of the community, watch them teach and then have them um, transition into full-time employment there. Absolutely, yep, very well said. As far as the career outcomes and what, you know, an individual, a graduate could actually do with an education degree, um, certainly, you know, a kind of a traditional teaching uh, role is, is certainly probably the most common, but are there any, any other roles, any, you know, potential career tracks, maybe something a little different that you want to mention that someone could actually do uh, with this degree? Absolutely. Well, even with the traditional tracks, um, some of our students will say, you know, I'd really like to teach abroad. And uh, and that's what, what they will do. Uh, our English, English education students uh, are in high demand in in foreign uh, undergraduate or excuse me in foreign k-12 schools they they like uh, someone who's who speaks the the American English right they want to learn that um, and our students have those aspirations and so that's that's a that's a great area to to pursue um, there's so much of what careers involve teaching right uh, I know teachers who have Taking a taking a little step away from traditional K-12 teaching, and they've worked for institutions um, such as Raymond James in doing corporate training, because the foundational principles of teaching are there's a set of information that you have that you need to convey to another group of people. That's really the foundations of teaching. So these corporations uh, like to hire. Class, uh, classroom teachers, people who have had that teaching experience and a teaching education background, because again, they get it. They get the foundations of how to convey um, content in a meaningful way. So that's definitely an avenue. Many of our students um, that are majoring in middle and high school teaching um, really want to go on and teach in a community college. They want to they want to pursue a master's degree, and we also have a very a number of robust uh, four plus one or two plus one programs connecting undergraduate with graduate education that make that type of pursuit possible. 
Very interesting. And I guess kind of on that note, uh, if you could just touch on how this bachelor's program prepares graduates for, you know, if, if they do want to go on to get the master's, uh, of course, we offer many master's options and even the, you know, the educational specialist, the, uh, the doctor of education, fairly new program there. I would imagine we do have some students that, you know, want to, to kind of get the full swoop and and go for, for multiple degrees from us. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a St. Leo family for sure. And we see many of our undergraduate students, they've gone out there um, to get to be part of an educational leadership program at the master's or doctoral level. Uh, you do need to have at least three years of successful teaching experience because these are people who are going to be principals, the school leaders. So, of course, you need to have the classroom teaching experience before you can um, move into those positions. But they come back. They come back because they felt that they were um, part of a very positive experience. There's many students that transition directly into the graduate program. For example, um, many students want to specifically focus on working with students with exceptionalities. So they'll go from getting their undergraduate, they'll pick up, they'll be in the four plus one, two plus one program, and they'll transition into that master's um, of ESE. Same thing with the master's of, of reading. They want to become literacy coaches and, and very adept at being able to do that. So they'll stay on and extend for that year. So whether they transition directly from the undergraduate to the graduate program, or they go out there and they get that teaching experience, we love to see how many end up coming back. And then again, that cycle becomes complete because once they have those advanced degrees, many of them come back and become adjunct instructors for us. So it's a, it's a wonderful cycle and all part of that St. Leo family. Sure thing, no question about that. In terms of alumni, I'm curious, are there any specific alumni you'd like to, to give a shout out to, or we can even just speak more generically about maybe some of our recent alumni in the last several years and just some specific roles that they've gone on to uh, achieve? Well, it's that time of the year right now, Greg, where districts are selecting their teachers of the year. And so it's always exciting for me to open up my email, look at my text, get the phone calls from all over the state um, with faculty or students reporting, hey, guess what? I was selected teacher of the year. Um, and we just had that uh, just last week. The Citrus, Citrus County School District um, teacher of the year. When you think about this is this is district wide, so this is kindergarten through 12th grade. This student was selected um, to represent the district at the state level. Um, and the student's email um, was just beautiful and it really praised her experience at St. Leo. And it was wonderful to see her also say, you know, she hopes to one day she can come back and um, be part of helping us grow future teachers. So we're so proud of those teachers of the year. And they're, they're throughout 
those those 19 school districts that I mentioned we have partnerships with every year we have a long list of students that are awarded that honor at the school and at the district level and then many of our graduates um, have moved into those leadership roles that I talked about with within the district that's where they want to pursue giving back to their profession so we have principals assistant principals um, again throughout all of those districts right that's awesome and i think that just speaks so much to the caliber the quality of this program uh, of course attaining a degree is one thing but being able to use that degree you know in so many ways and have such a positive career experience afterward just says so much I love walking into a, uh, a principal's office and seeing St. Leo banners and a St. Leo degree <laughs> up there and they, they, they display those proudly. And uh, we have um, a gentleman who um, is out in the Hernando district. He's a principal. He, he um, has a, had a, a career also in human resources out in Hernando. Um, he is actually, I was honored to write a letter of recommendation for him. He's going to be applying um, for one of our, our master's program, actually wants to go back into human resources. So he's, he's getting a master's in our MBA program. So that's, that's exciting. So there's multiple pathways and we're here to support our students however we can. Absolutely. Yep. So I did want to wrap up here uh, with a question about the pandemic, and we did speak a little bit about this earlier, but I'm just curious your take on just, you know, the, the current state of, say, K through 12 education, specifically uh, virtual learning and how that's factored into, you know, being such a big thing with the pandemic and perhaps even the future of virtual learning. Uh, even after the pandemic is all said and done, and, and just what's your perspective on all that? Uh, I, I, education is never going to go back to the way it was pre-pandemic. Uh, we have many students in the K-12 world that, that their parents decided the best place for them would be in a virtual setting. Some are returning, some are still in those virtual settings. And while some of them hope to return to brick and mortar, there's many more that have found that this is actually a successful experience um, for their, their student. In my conversation with a, a classroom teacher this morning, that's she's teaching in Pasco eSchool, and she reported um, very much the same thing that, that a parent has said, this has been a real blessing that her, her son feels more uh, that the, the virtual environment allows him to focus more. Um, he's in an e-school, so much of the school work is completed uh, at their own pace. So they will continue with, with that environment. Um, and so our, our role in preparing teachers is, is a constantly evolving uh, endeavor. Now we have to look at that question, what does it mean to prepare teachers. And we can't be all things to all people, but really being intentional about how strong pedagogical practices look like in a brick and mortar environment 
and also in an online environment um, will continue to be something we'll look at as a department. We will uh, infuse into our courses. And again, it's about really preparing teachers uh, for an ever changing future. Absolutely, that's a great, uh, all great points. And, you know, we're certainly proud to to be able to be such a cutting edge program that I know we can certainly prepare teachers for any type of modality that uh, they may face. Absolutely. Alrighty, well, uh, again, we've been speaking with Dr. Holly Atkins, the Chair of Undergraduate Education here at St. Leo University. And uh, Dr. Atkins, just want to thank you so much for your time uh, for joining me here on the podcast and uh, really appreciated the uh, the insight and certainly just the, the nice overview of uh, the program and the wonderful opportunities that we offer to students here. Thank you so much, Greg. Nothing I like better than to brag about my program. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. All righty. To hear more episodes of the St. Leo 360 podcast, visit stleo.edu forward slash podcast. To learn more about St. Leo's programs and services, call 877-622-2009 or visit stleo.edu.